Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Across the Board. Across the Board is a podcast on corporate governance and risk management at the board of directors level. In it, we take a wide range of topics related to board, board governance, and how you should interact with the board. Today, I have with me Jonathan Marks, a partner at Markham LLC. Jonathan is a well-known commentator in the field of internal audit. He talks to us today about the board's role in fraud and fraud prevention. He takes a look at the information a board should seek from internal audit and also what the internal auditor and internal audit function needs to provide a board to allow the board to do its role of oversight in fraud prevention. It's a fascinating interview and I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode of Across the Board, a podcast where we focus on the board of directors' role in corporate governance, risk management, and the operational health of a corporation. Today, I have back with me Jonathan Marks. Jonathan is a partner at Markham LLP. Jonathan and I have uh, worked together on uh, projects across uh, several years, and Jonathan's got a lot of experience from the internal auditor and forensic accountant aspect of dealing with boards. So I asked him if he could uh, take some time and explain from his perspective, uh, what does he see that a board needs from someone uh, with his expertise, how he interacts with the board, and uh, what a board might uh, ask from someone like him. So Jonathan, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, thanks for having me today. You know, I'd like to lead off with a quote from my um from my alumnus from PwC, and they said a while back that an organization that has strategically integrated governance, risk management, and compliance can form an ethical and operational backbone against which an entire business can be managed. And if you really think about that, it, it's so true. And governance is something that is is somewhat amorphous to a lot of folks, but really is overlooked a, a lot of different times. And what we find is, especially when we're doing an investigation and performing root cause analysis, you know, a lot of times what we do is we go back and we look at the governance framework and see how robust that framework was. And more often than not, we find chinks in the armor there. So I think this is a great topic for today. Um, And, you know, I'm happy to talk about it. Well, great. Well, Jonathan, one of the things that I think many board members struggle with is unless they're uh, a former chief financial officer or a formal internal auditor type or uh, a currently a CPA, they may not even understand the basics of the fraud triangle. So maybe you might start with that and then expand on how do you take a concept which you and maybe even I would consider so basic as the fraud triangle and help a board understand their role in corporate governance vis-a-vis the fraud triangle? Yeah. Before we get there, I'd like to back up a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, corporate governance. What is it? You know, when somebody asks me to define corporate governance, you know, there's a lot of different definitions out there. But the one that I think works the best is that it's really it's the systems and processes an organization has in place to protect the interests of its diverse diverse stakeholder group. So that's when you we define corporate governance, that's what we define it as. And when we talk about the systems and processes and we look at the framework, um, there's, there's, there's really a lot of different frameworks out there. The one that I like best is the one, again, from one of my alumnus firms that, you know, certainly talks about um, different components of good corporate governance. 
And um, they consist of the board of directors and committees, the legal and regulatory environment, business practices and ethics, disclosure and transparency, monitoring, communication, and enterprise risk management. So when we talk about the fraud triangle, where does that fit? It fits in a bunch of different places within the within the within the confines of that framework. But I think the way the trial trial triangle can actually help is, and Matt Kelly, who we all know and is a very astute uh, individual and, and a prolific author, you know, recently did a presentation um, for me and and our folks. And one of the things that he talked about was is that every everybody's fraud triangle is sized differently. And it really made me think a little bit because if you look at the three components of the fraud triangle, which are pressure, opportunity, and rationalization, um, I've expanded on that in some other in some other theories and to include competence and arrogance, which we're not going to talk about today. But when we talk about pressure, opportunity, and rationalization, and you look at some of the things that go on within an organization, if you look at the sides of the triangle and you sit and you and you look and, and understand the the strategic objective of the organization you know, the market-facing risks, the economic risks, the geopolitical risks. You consider all the risks that the organization is under, and then you try to build your triangle accordingly. Again, I think what you'll find is when there's a lot of pressure put on an organization, either to meet performance goals or to meet objectives or whatever, that certainly enhances, you know, an organization's risk and exposes them to the opportunity for fraud to, fraud to occur. Um, and so when we talk about the fraud triangle, I, I look at it in that way, is that everybody's fraud triangle is structured a little bit differently. You have to figure out from, from, a, from a board perspective and from a management perspective what actually that looks like and then react accordingly. Again, not boiling the ocean. We really do want to focus on high-risk areas. And so I, I think this helps to frame it a lot better. Well, Jonathan, it, uh there are several levels to any analysis. Obviously, someone like yourself or myself who might be an investigator on kind of on the front lines performing an investigation, we might report to senior management, a, a chief financial officer, a chief compliance officer, perhaps a general counsel or some other senior executive who would have uh, more oversight uh, and more strategic views than tactical views. But then a board really has a, yet a different function, and it sits above senior management. And um, oversight is one of the roles. Strategic management and strategic development is uh, yet another role. But they're really concerned with the overall health of the organization. How can you translate some of the uh, specific findings that you might come up with in a way which would allow the board to really fulfill this either oversight or, or much more strategic obligation that they have? Tom, I think that's a great observation. And you know, the board has truly has a key role in any organization in helping determine their, their risk profile. They, they do. Um, manage, you know, management, management um, is the one that you typically think about is the one who's setting the risk profile. But it's really, really the board that should be determining that. Um, and I think a lot of people understand that. And let me go back to that for a second. You know, when we think about who's setting the risk profile, um, you know, a lot of people think it should be management, but based on my experience, it's really the board that, from an oversight perspective, should be determining that. You know, the board should be uh, ensuring that management isn't going out and doing things to put the organization at risk. Um, we all know from the various frauds that have already occurred and have been in the newspapers and in the public eye that a lot of times things are looked at from a siloed perspective and they're not looked at in the aggregate. 
And it's, I think it's the board's job to ensure that management is looking at these risks in the aggregate that from an oversight perspective. Um, and, and the board should ensure that management doesn't overstep its boundaries um, whenever, when, whenever it's, uh, you know, looking at certain transactions. You know, those, those types of things are, are very, very, very important. So it's really important that the board take an active role. Uh, they need to ensure that management is doing risk assessments on a regular basis. Again, from a practice perspective, there are a lot of organizations out there that do a very good job of doing risk assessments, and um, some are better than others. But from those risk assessments are not something that it's not a set it and forget it type of an exercise. A lot of folks have done risk assessments; they put them away, they don't look at them. You know, organizations that are really progressive and are really taking this thing seriously. And again, there's an opportunity from a board of directors perspective here, and that is. You know, when things change, we should go back and look at our risk assessment. You know, is this some risks come on, some risks come off, some might be low, some might be high. Um, they they might vacillate back and forth depending on certain conditions. But, you know, those risk assessments should be looked at truly on a regular basis at a minimum, at a minimum annually. Um, they should really be looked at. And I highly recommend, you know, somebody independent from outside the organization looking at them because I think a lot of times we all get caught up and we don't. Um, we don't have that that forty thousand foot view. So having somebody looking at this from a you know fresh set of eyes approach and really understanding what the risks of the organization might be could you know help the organization better manage their risks. Um, and, and, and the other thing the board can do is they can really ensure that management is constantly thinking about the ways that things can actually go wrong. You know where could fraud be committed? We go back to the fraud triangle, the opportunity perspective. You know opportunity is really the internal controls of an organization. You know, that's something where there's a, there could be a great deal of value add, not only from a board perspective, but certainly you mentioned before from an internal audit perspective. You know, are those controls really designed to detect and deter fraud? Um, you know, I think Sarbanes-Oxley was, uh, you know, very was instrumental in us having us go back to uh, focusing on process and controls and things of that nature. It certainly was. I also think what it also did as it sort of manifested itself over time, you know, there was the fraud was introduced into that and people went back and identified fraud controls. Um, and those fraud controls really were not designed to be fraud controls. They may, they may have been designed for other things, but I think there was some confusion. Um, and I, I, again, I think there's a great opportunity from a value add perspective for internal audit to go back and look at those controls and make sure they are properly designed to deter and detect fraud. Um, that that really has not been done in practice. Some folks have done it, um, but a lot of folks really have not. Um, so uh, that's again, that's that's a role that internal audit can play. Uh, and, and the other thing is, the internal audit can do is, since we're on the subject of internal audit, they can help the board realize um, what their roles and responsibilities are uh, related to fraud, and and give you know. Train, you know, train the board as to where those risks might be and things that they should be doing from an oversight perspective, um, and 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 having management look at those things. So, you know, like, a, you know, kind of falling, you know, kind of pulling this all together. You know, if the board is unaware of what's going on, you know, that's certainly a problem. We talked about the seven components of a governance framework. You know, sitting in the middle is usually communication and trust. And, you know, when there's not good communication and communication to me, uh, and we've talked about this before, there's a sender, there's a medium, there's a receiver, but there has to be feedback. And 
you know, a lot of times that type of information really is not properly communicated to the board. So I think I've answered your question in a roundabout way, but if I haven't, we can go back. Actually, I'd like to pick up on one of the points you raised, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you advise a sitting board member uh, to ask of someone like a Jonathan Marks? If you were training the board to fulfill their obligations around risk management, around fraud, fraud detection, fraud prevention, uh, or uh, some other uh, issue, what would you suggest um, the a board member ask of someone like you, uh, either specifically or or more generally? Well, I think specifically, I mean, if I'm a board member and I'm talking to me, um, I would say, hey, what am I missing? Um, you know, what is it? Am I, you know, what am I missing here? Are there things that we should be considering that we're not considering? You know, from an enterprise perspective or an extended enterprise perspective, those things are often different. Um, also, from a fraud risk management perspective, you know, what does our fraud risk management program look like, Jonathan? Do we have all the components of a fraud risk management program? Maybe we don't. Um, you know, how, how do we go back and assess those things to ensure that not only management, but, you know, other other people that are responsible for, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the fraud risk process are involved. And, and, and that information is being communicated throughout the organization. I, I think that's one of the things, you know, and getting back to the fraud risk management program, I mean, that's, again, I think that's one of those areas where if you can walk into an organization and ask them to see what their fraud risk management program or their fraud governance looks like, you know, more often than not, that's something that we, we don't see that is formalized and certainly an opportunity there to, you know, from an enhancement perspective. Um, and, and kind of getting into that a little bit more, Tom, you know, I talked about some of these things before, but, you know, the principles of a fraud risk management program, it's not rocket science, you know, written policies, what are they? How have they been updated? How can they be, you know, how are they accessed? You know, are they really based off of the controls that are in place today? You know, periodic assessments, what do they look like? When we talk about the word periodic, periodic is not every five years. You know, we talked about this before, you know, doing a fraud risk assessment, that's something that should be done on a regular basis and something that should be looked at frequently. You know, what, what prevention techniques do we have? Um, what detection techniques do we have? Are we using technology to our advantage? What's our reporting process look like? Um, you, know, uh, you know, a reporting process should be in place to solicit input on potential fraud and, co- and a coordinated approach to investigations and corrective action. Um, you know, th- those types of things are things that, you know, if I'm a board member, I'm asking me, I'm saying, hey, you know, hey, what don't I know? What is our fraud risk management program? You know, does our does our management really understand this? So, you know, are there opportunities for training? Um, is our internal audit capable of, you know, helping us monitor these things on a regular basis? Um, and I guess maybe the last thing, if I was a board member and I would ask myself, you know, and, uh, there's many, many, many more, but is, you know, are our are, are controls designed to deter and detect fraud? You know, are they properly designed? Um, so um, I, I think that's a really good start. So, Jonathan, on the uh, you mentioned um, the regularity of review and certainly uh, regular communication between uh, an auditor and a board is critical. One of the things I think that many uh, auditors, uh, whether they're the head of internal audit or whether they're uh, embedded with the CFO, struggle with is 
how much information to provide to boards, would you suggest that they let the board guide them on how much information they should receive or should just present as much information until basically the board says that's enough? I'm less concerned about the quantity and more concerned about the quality. Are they getting the right information? You know, I, I've seen board packets that are robust and full of, you know, a lot of noise. Um, a lot of times that's done on purpose. Um, you would hope that it wouldn't be, but it is. Um, and then I've seen board packets that are very surgical in, in their approach and, you know, give, you know, very detailed things, uh, you know, very detailed you know, information to the board, allowing them to assess for themselves. You know, I think one of the key things there, and, you know, we certainly talked about this a little bit, is communication. So from an information perspective, you know, I would give the board, um, you know, uh, the information that I think that they would need in order to properly assess, you know, the risk of the business. You know, it's not a question of saying, hey, stop, that's too much. I think it's a question of giving them, you know, the right information um, and then having a dialogue with them should they have questions or need more. You know, a lot of, like I said before, Tom, you know, communication includes feedback, you know, so, you know, you give a board a packet of information, they take a look at it, you never hear from them again. You don't know whether that information is right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, you know, I've been in board meetings where I've been handed a packet of information. Most people don't review that packet of information. Uh, you know, so they get to the board meeting and they're seeing it for the first time, and then you never hear from those, those board members ever again. I'm not saying all board members do this, but that's certainly, you know, that, that, that certainly does happen. You know, I think a, a good board member or a board member that's diligent enough would look at the information. If they have questions, they say, hey, you know, I need to talk to the, to the chief compliance officer. I need to talk to the chief audit executive. I really want to understand what's going on here. You know, maybe it's a conversation between the two of them. Maybe it's a conversation between the two of them and general counsel. You know, maybe it's a conversation, you know, depending on the nature of the information, you know, between other folks. Human resources could be involved, um, you know people from the controllers group or finance could be involved. Uh, people from the information technology side can be involved. I mean, those, you know, those people that I just mentioned are generally, you know, the key partners and business stakeholders when it comes to, you know, dealing with fraud and fraud type issues. So Jonathan, unfortunately we're near the end of our time, but I wanted to uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. I certainly hope that uh, we can continue this conversation. It's been fascinating. I've been talking with Jonathan Marks, partner in Markham LLP on the relationship of uh, the internal auditor, fraud, good governance, and board governance. So, Jonathan, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Board. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast. It would help our rankings and also help get the word out about the newest podcast on corporate governance and board leadership. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode as we explore the board's role in corporate governance.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.